This is the current federal tax developments for the week of January the 2nd, 2024. Current federal tax developments are brought to you by Capital Financial Education and by your state society of CPAs. Well, not surprisingly, this week, not a lot happened. And in fact, the big thing that happened happened on the 1st of January. We'll discuss what went on on January 1st, which you might say, but wait, that, that, that's like a federal holiday. There are no court cases. There, there's nothing should be coming out. But there is something that happened that day, and we'll discuss that here today. Because what happened on that date is the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network did roll out the Beneficial Ownership Information Reporting System right on schedule. Remember, all year, or basically for the last year and a half, they've been telling us that this was going to be opened on January 1st, and you'll be glad to know that it actually is open. I've been there. We'll take a look at some of the stuff that's there in today's session. Uh, we still have a little bit of quirks with the FinCEN identifier. Right now, it's a little after 10 a.m. in Phoenix uh, here on New Year's Day. And at this point, we're still having connectivity problems and some configuration issues with the FinCEN identifier connection. But the basic filing is there and is ready to roll. So we'll talk a bit today about what that means and what we're doing. So key issue here, this is the Beneficial Ownership Information e-filing system open for business as of January 1st, 2024. Actually, wouldn't be surprised to discover that it opened up exactly at midnight Eastern time. I didn't go check last night. I wasn't going to go hang around and see, you know, what happened. It would have been just after 10 p.m. here in Phoenix. I wasn't that interested in discovering there or trying to be the very first entity to file under the program. I'm not sure I wanted to be that either. So basically, it was up and running, though, when I got up this morning. So we're going with that this week. So it did open up on schedule. So if you're ready to file your beneficial ownership information reports and you weren't planning on using a FinCEN identifier, as of right now, apparently you can file it. Now I say apparently because I haven't actually completed a filing, uh, you know, for the various parts of this. Uh, our accounting firm will need to file, but my partners, crazily enough, did not want to all come down on the 1st of January and get all our information put together to file this immediately. So, nah, we ended up getting it today. So I, I haven't been all the way through the system, but I do have a copy of the actual PDF form. We'll talk about the PDF form option. Uh, seen the instructions and seen some of the intricacies of the website for the filing side of this. Now, for those of you looking to get on this, it's linked directly from the main FinCEN Beneficial Ownership Information website at www.fincen.gov BOI. So where we've gone before, now you will see previously, you would see the filing option grade and says, you know, you can do that beginning January 1st. Now it's no longer grade. So you now can actually click and get into that. You also can apparently click to get into the FinCEN identifier, but that's the one that kind of blows up. So we won't talk about that one right now. There are three filing options when you get in there. Well, as a practical matter for most of you listening here today, there are two, but we'll list them here quickly. The first one is to fill in a PDF that they will basically let you click on. You download it to your system. You fill it in using Acrobat. They do state you have to use Acrobat to do it. I've yet to test to see whether or not other uh, PDF readers can read it. 
I suspect some of them probably will be able to handle it. Some won't, but clearly Acrobat, Acrobat Reader are the safest ones to use because then, you know, at least at that point, Treasury can't claim you did something wrong and whatever problem they had related to your reader. So I probably would go ahead and use Acrobat to file it, even though I may have another reader available on my system that appears to work with it. I probably do Acrobat just to eliminate that as the reason why your filing somehow got mishandled or lost. Just going to say that. Now, this PDF option is very, very similar to the same option that is available for the filing for the foreign bank account reporting form, right? The FBAR filing. If you've ever gone in and looked at that, that's the one they make kind of available to the general public. So you can go in, you can fill in your information on the FBAR form and submit that up to the uh, FinCEN, you know, Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. We'll take it in. They do remind you that just as is true for that report, this one cannot be printed out and mailed in. You think your client's going to print it out and mail it in, that will be rejected. That's not going to be an acceptable filing method. So remember, you can't just print this out and do it on the paper form. Uh, you're going to have to do the input. All this gives us is a way to bring the input onto our machine. We'll also discuss in the view of FinCEN, this is also a way that we could be able to save the copy on our local machine and we have to do later updated reports. We just need to make the changes that are necessary. FinCEN already noted, as we discussed earlier, in the FAQs that any updated report must be transmitted in full, meaning all data must be on that re updated report. Obviously, if you have the PDF and you just make the changes that are necessary, that's not really going to be a big problem. Uh, however, if you use the other options, you may be re-entering some or all of the data to make this work. The second option that is available to basically people just filing on the website is a web-based form that is to be filled in. Now, the advantage of this is you don't need Acrobat, right? You can just do it on the web-based form. You don't worry about an upload. Well, you will eventually for images, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but, you know, most of the other stuff is straightforward. The bad news is that there will apparently be no way to call up your last inner data. And that means that when you do an updated report, you will be re-entering everything from scratch. And a real concern we have with that is, remember, if there is a mistake in the data, that would require a corrected report to be filed. And the problem is you really only have 90 days to get a corrected report noticed and filed. Uh, technically, you have 30 days from the day you discover or should have discovered the error to get it corrected. But if that correction within the 30-day period doesn't fall with less than 90 days after the date you put the wrong information up, then you're exposed to penalties again. So it, it's a weird 30-day, 90-day rule. And again, having to re-enter everything from scratch just opens up the chance of a simple transcription, you know, transcription error, transposition errors, uh, things like that would be very easy to get in there. Uh, so I'm not sure I want to do that. In both cases, they have instructions which you can download. And those instructions have some interesting details in them. Uh, one of the more interesting details is we actually have a list of words and phrases they don't want to see on the form. So they don't want to see NA, right, or same as above, or things like that, you know, see above, etc. They're, they're cutting off a lot of that shortcut entries, right? 
So they don't want to see those terms in there. They've told you there are prescribed words. And my guess is they may very well reject back your PDF if you try to use any of the prescribed words. So I would certainly suggest you actually read the instructions. That could be very, very helpful before somebody tries to file this thing. It could be very important. The third category is an application programming interface or otherwise known as API that third parties can use to build independent systems to file the forms. This is what I would expect vendors like Thomson Reuters, Walters Kluwers, uh, Intuit, etc., assuming they want to get in this game and provide some way to automate the process and allow you to, you know, do it through their software and be able to upload this up. Uh, they'll be using the API. The third option on the filing page that tells you about the API merely tells them to contact FinCEN and they'll essentially deal with negotiating out how you would set yourself up to be an independent vendor. Since most of us are not going to want to be setting ourselves up to end up writing a programming project, let's assume that we're either going to use one of the first two or when Thomson Reuters or uh, Walters Kluwers, Intuit, whoever comes out with their system, that we would then sign up with them. So most likely, you know, we're not going to actually be writing APIs. So at this instant, if you want to file, uh, you pretty much have the two choices of a PDF and upload or a web-based form to fill in. Those are the options for anybody get, trying to file the form right now. Now, as I noted, the PDF is meant to be saved on the filer system with a final copy uploaded to FinCEN. That's the same way we do it with the FBAR form if you use the PDF version. Now, FinCEN suggests entities be able to make revisions to the PDF as necessary, then file them as either updated or corrected reports. The one concern there is that assumes the form never gets modified. If, in fact, FinCEN updates this form, either they'll have to continue accepting the old form in order to allow updated reports to be filed this way, or you're going to end up having to re-enter yet again. I guess conceivably FinCEN could try to come up with some sort of tool, but it'd be interesting using PDFs to come up with a tool to transfer the inner data from one PDF to another and map it over. I'm not sure how well that can be done. Never seen anybody try to do that, so we'll have to watch. But at least at the moment, they're saying, go ahead and use this form. And that way, if you know you get halfway through the year, your client wants to go early or your company goes early, and then halfway through the year, one of your beneficial owners decides to buy a new home and move, well, you'll be able to quickly do an updated report. That'll be the key. Again, with all the other options, the data must be re-entered, or I would assume with a program from somebody like Thomson Reuters or Walters Kluwers, probably there'll be some form of proforming going on, though it's going to be weird because remember, this is not an annual filing. We may need to file three in the same year. We might file one this year and never and not file another one for a decade. You know, either one's possible depending upon how this all plays out. So it makes it a little more interesting as we look at that particular background. Okay, so let's go ahead and let's let's take a look at what we've got here in the system. So with that, what I want to do is go ahead. And let me see, whoops, that's not what I want. So yeah, that was, I got to watch my keystrokes here. So let me see if we can do this. Okay, now those of you watching on the video, what you see here is the BOE e-filing system. And this is the web page you get to. Now, 
This is what you get to after you click out the main fincen.gov slash BOI. You say, I want to file. You're going to get your option to come in here. Now, a couple of interesting things with this. Apparently, it's going to provide a backdoor approach to filing other reports uh, with FinCEN. So it's going to probably, I assume, if you click that BSA e-filing, would deal with the reporting the you know cash in excess of 10,000 reports or reporting the F bar. I didn't check that out, but it's interesting. We got another link here. That does confirm what I thought from the beginning. They are using the same basic structure they've got to handle those other items. That does raise some question about capacity, especially as we get close to the January 1st, 2025 date, assuming that that doesn't get pushed back or we don't have a court challenge that a lot, you know, that takes it out for a while, or there's not a, you know, various other things don't happen. But if we stay the course we have right now, I expect a lot of people to procrastinate while late in the year, especially those hoping that somehow the court challenge wins out. Uh, but it, you know, and you keep going and it hasn't yet, it hasn't yet. Remember that court challenge has been running for most of the last year. So it's not exactly moving rapidly. So it's going to be kind of interesting, people waiting to the end. I certainly see a chance that there could be a major meltdown of a system that would come in somewhere in that range. So it's there. Now, when you actually go to file, in this case, we're going to go to file BOIR, and that's where you get your options on how to file. The PDF version, if you click on prepare BOIR, it's not clear, but this is where you're going to get the option to download, as you can see up there at the top. Uh, it would download it to my default uh, Chrome download directory, the actual PDF form. That's where you do it. If you do that, first thing is make sure you know where Chrome or whatever browser you're using downloads that sort of thing. You can find it. Uh, generally, you would follow a download uh, in this version of Chrome. I could go up here and simply ask it to show me this in a directory and put it on my other screen. Oh, I see, I know why it's doing it. But it shows the directory, brings it up, what's there. Uh, there are other ways you can make that work. When you actually go to submit the BOIR, this is you have your filled in PDF, you would do your submission, you would say you agree, you, you provide your name, email, your first name, last name, uh, and attach that PDF and then agree and then claim, show you're human. So you got to figure out and sign the CAPTCHA. But that, that would be how this will work when you get done. So you fill in the PDF, go there. The other way you do it is the online filing of this. And again, that will come up. And what we'll discover, we're going to go through all these things here, but what you're going to discover is this is just a PDF form that is essentially identical to what's going to be on the printed form. Uh, it's going to be on the PDF version. You'll just fill it out here. And you'll go ahead, you'll do the filing information, reporting company, company applicant, beneficial owners, and then you'll submit the report. The submission will be your filing. And we'll talk a little bit about how all this works. Now, at least initially, though, I suspect most people will be looking at this PDF option if you're going to do it right now. When you download the PDF, it will suggest, as I said, you want to open this up in Acrobat. When you do, you're going to see initially you have a four-page PDF. and at the top, it's got some preparation and submission instructions for you. And what you're going to find is, and this is just like the FBAR form, you're going to first complete the report. You'll click validate. It'll tell you if you have any validation problems. Finalize, locks the entries in the report, prepares the submission. 
uh, you'll click edit report to unlock and that that's put in here intentionally because of that bit they want you to be able to make it and make changes you'll do save to retain a local copy you'll also want to probably print out a hard copy that would make a lot of sense to get a hard copy going and then select ready to file and this ready to file button only comes live once you've actually finished up the program so bottom line once you finish the form you'll do that now let's take a look at the filing information most of this should not be um, involved uh, you will have to tell it are you doing an initial report a corrected prior report updating a prior report or this has just recently been added in the faq but this is how you file a notice of a newly exempt entity what that means is let's say your entity files now however a couple of years down the line it's got more than 20 employees full-time employees and it's got over five million in gross revenues reported on the tax form so now it becomes a large operating company that qualifies for the exemption you would still need to file an update a new a report but this report will simply say that you are now exempt so it essentially lock in your old report and say you're a newly exempt entity uh, as a clarified if you're not required to file right now we get to the first of january of 20 25 and you're not required to file uh if you later then become you know you qualify let's say your number of employees drops below the 20 full time so you lose your large operating entity exemption uh then you would file an initial report because you've never filed a report before however if you file an initial report because you're not at those limitations right now or not at those exemptions and then two three years down the line you qualify for it you'll file for the newly exempt entity. And then if a couple of years later, you let's say again, your employees drop below 20, then you'll file an updated report. You will update, right? So bottom line, they're essentially telling you you only ever file one initial report. That, that, that's the entirety of your initial reports. The next page has details of the reporting company. Uh, you can ask for the company to receive a FinCEN identifier. That can be used in certain situations where you have another entity and the basically the beneficial owners of that entity are the same as the beneficial owners of this entity, but they hold their interest through this entity. You could then use that fence and identifier for that purpose. Um, you do also check if you're a foreign pooled investment vehicle. They have some special rules there. Uh, really, really suggest you read the instructions especially for any line that's, you know, seems a little bit unusual and clear. It's a 21 page instruction booklet. A lot of that is more generic. So there's really basic instructions for each line. I do suggest you read it. I don't suggest you just try to wing it without looking at that uh, instruction book. You have a reporting company, legal name, the DBA names, you notice that plus and minus next to it. If you're looking at on the screen, uh, on line six on the page two, uh, if you have more than one DBA name, right, you, you simply hit plus to add each one. You'll have to do your form of tax identification. That particular one will look for things like, you know, are you an EIN, a social security number, or ITIN, or it's a foreign ID number. You'll then provide your tax ID number. Oh, by the way, for those who haven't figured this out yet, if you see a red asterisk, there's no option. You got to fill that line in or it's going to reject as not being done. They will ask you for the country or jurisdiction of formation. You know, so you would say like, you know, United States, whatever. For the particular issues, 
And then if you were, let's say, a domestic reporting company, you'd end up with the various other items. That actually puts stuff in here yet. So because I've not yet updated stuff, I don't have information in there, it doesn't want me to go ahead and let me enter stuff yet till we do this a little bit differently. You'll make your current U.S. address. Please remember that address must be a street address, not a P.O. box number. That is per the final rule. That was also made very clear in the FAQ updates, most recently done in December. The next set of information you're going to have is company applicants. Remember, if a company was registered before January 1st of 2024, you would check this box and we don't do company applicants, right? In that case, everything will gray out below because company applicants aren't allowed. You can have up to two company applicants for any entity that's formed basically January 1st of 2024 or later. And therefore, that's why you also see the plus minus. If you only have the single company applicants, you'll put it there. If you have more than one, you won't. And then we have all the details. Now, again, if your company applicant has a FinCEN ID, they've gotten that. That's something any individual can get. And if they have that, you can report their FinCEN ID on line 18 here, as opposed to providing all of the information that goes on down toward the bottom of the page. Rather, you can get that from that standpoint. So you'll get that background, individual last name first, all that stuff. You could get a FinCEN identifier. I would expect that a lot of attorneys, right, and attorneys, paraprofessionals, they will be getting FinCEN identifiers because they will not want to provide what's some very detailed personal information to every single company that they're involved in forming the LLC for. They'll rather give them the FinCEN identifier, the FinCEN ID. Okay, and again, can't really tell you much about the process for that because as of this morning when I started this, that was broken. So we'll hopefully find out more about that later. Okay, all the standard information we've known for quite a while will be here, including this is where you would add the attachment. And as you'll notice, you'll just get up here and you'll get a, you know, you'll basically have a file open type thing and saying, I want to add this one. Uh, we are told in the instructions that the allowed formats here are JPEGs, um, PNG files, or PDFs, but they can be no larger than four megabytes, and only one attachment is allowed per individual in this issue. So you can't have multiples there. We're also made clear that it needs to be a clear, you know, readable picture. So somebody who just tries to fax over you know, put, put their driver's license in a fax and then send that off to the company and say, oh, you can make a copy of this. Yeah, that's, that's not going to work. Uh, we, we need a much better copy of those documents than things that are virtually impossible to read. So you want to make sure it's legible. And remember, we need to make it legible electronically. So we need to be very careful about how we do that and how we make those pictures. Uh, again, JPEG works, PNG works, and PDF works. Warning to iPhone users, HEIC is not listed as acceptable. So if you try to take that directly off the iPhone and it comes in as an HEIC file, you'll have to convert it to JPEG. Um, you can actually set up the options in the iPhone to take pictures in JPEG, uh, which is probably the smarter move for a lot of reasons. Uh, HEIC does take less storage space, but Again, not that much, and most of us have ways to offload pictures 
So I'm not sure it's worth the bother because HEIC is generally not compatible with virtually anything that's not in the Apple universe. And this is not in the Apple universe. So be aware of that. You know, watch out for that. But again, PNG works, JPEG and PDF. Most of our scanners will produce PDF. Um, be careful. A lot of people who, you know, are out there, you know, like clients I've noticed, will tend to have scanners that produce TIFF images. Those have to be converted. A TIFF image will not work for this, right? Got to get it to JPEG, JPEG, PNG, or PDF format. So be aware those are our acceptable attachments, right? We have that. If you want to take an attachment off, there is a remove attachment option. Similar information is going to be asked for each beneficial owner. Uh, if a beneficial owner is a minor child, then you'll provide the parent or guardian information. Again, the FinCEN ID can be done. That can make things a lot simpler. There is a box for if you are an exempt, if basically, if this, if the beneficial owner holds the ownership interest in a reporting company exclusive through one or more exempt entities, uh, you can provide more limited information. In that regard, otherwise, no, no FinCEN, not through an exempt entity. Uh, you provide all the required information. Again, remember, addresses must be street addresses. And for the individuals, must be the residential street address. So you have to provide with a residential address for this purpose. You can't provide other issues. Okay, and adding your attachments. And as we note, in this case, however many beneficial owners you have, you keep adding this up. Once all the data is done, you would then return to the home page. You would run the validation checks fix any problems there, uh, finalize it, and then save it and print it. And this will be your filing information. You will be required, as we showed you, to provide your name and your email address. And that's how FinCEN will communicate back with you to indicate whether it's been accepted and in what form. So be aware of that whole structure as we go ahead and work through all of these issues. Okay. Now, next up, let's talk about um, the FinCEN identifier application, we've noted it shows as ready to be used. You could do a FinCEN identifier. However, let me check carefully here. Might as well try this to see how it works. Let's see if I can go back and get the FinCEN identifier. So here we go, FinCEN.gov slash BOI. And you go to create a FinCEN ID. And yeah, this, this, no. Uh, Chrome is very unhappy and will not allow you to try to go there. So just be aware, as of right now, that's still broken. So yeah, we're still there. So the FinCEN identifier eventually should be there. In reality, I expect it to be very similar to what we saw on the other screens. You're going to provide all the information that would normally go on the BOI form for the individual, and it can be used either for a company applicant or it can be used for an for basically for a beneficial owner. Either one of those two, it works just fine. So that would be that would be how we'd get that going. I do expect a lot of people will want to set up fins and identifiers. It makes it simpler. That person then, if they move or they need to update the image of their driver's license or passport, uh, basically, yeah, it's going to be a lot simpler for them to do that. We don't have to go back and touch the original company necessarily for those sorts of issues. So the configuration issue, as I said, right now, Chrome, as you saw, it's going to say, sorry, we're not letting you go there. It's fouled up right now. They do tell you that these types of issues tend to work out, but that's Chrome telling you that in a couple of days. So 
you know, that it's correct. It probably will be fixed in a couple of days. So hopefully by the time you're listening to this or watching this, you'll be able to get on and see that corrected. But I do expect it'll be later this week. What I guess Treasury did most likely was they set everything up on Friday, um, essentially to be ready to go. They put it on a timer. So most likely at midnight Eastern time, you know, on January 1st, right? As we rolled into the new year, the ball dropped in Times Square. Suddenly this all went live on the FinCEN site. So as I said, I can't confirm that because I didn't really, I wasn't that interested in discovering exactly when it popped up, but it wouldn't surprise me to discover that it was on a timer and it simply came up at that time, which means there was likely nobody there on January 1st to fix the configuration problems. That'll have to wait until uh, tomorrow, you know, January 2nd. Now, remember, the first reports are going to be due for entities formed in 24. We're now at the point where you form an entity now, you don't have until January 1st of 25 to file the report. You have 90 days from the date that the Secretary of State or similar officer in your state similar office in your state recognizes the entity. So that, that's crucial to understand how that works to keep that going. And while a court challenge continues to move slowly through the courts, if you form an entity right now, you better start getting ready to file this. Yes, if you want to on the outside, you, you could wait until right at day 90 to put it through on the off chance that they get a stay issued by the courts and, you know, or the court rules it's invalid, etc. But Again, I don't know I'm going to bet a whole lot on that. Uh, we'll, we'll see if it does that. That's fine. But I think you still want to start getting ready for this and, you know, make sure that you have all the data together. Uh, I just don't like waiting to day 90 because if anything goes wrong on day 90, and we had, uh, we've had a couple of times where turns out the underground electrical lines heading to our office are old and uniquely they come only to our they come to our office and the underground part of the lines only serves i think two buildings and it's like yeah yeah that's that, that's become a problem twice we've been shut down uh for most of a day uh simply because the power line blew up and our utility went out and fixed that part of it but of course didn't go replace the whole line so other part failed then a little while later so yeah, things like that can happen. Uh, so you need to be aware of that. Your computer system could fail. There's lots of things that could go wrong. So I'm not sure I like waiting to day 90, but if that's the way you like to roll and you want to do that because you don't want to turn this in, if it's not absolutely required, you're going to wait to see if relief comes and that's fine. Uh, just be aware of the risk you're taking when you go that route. Well, this is really about all major that happened this week be totally honest, the other stuff that happened in the past week was we got a couple of new answers to questions on commercial vehicles uh, in the FAQs. We had one court case where somebody lost in his spouse status, but essentially not much happened, right? And neither of those are what I consider crucial items. So this is by far the most interesting thing that went on this week. So this is what we're covering this week. As always, uh, I plan to be back next week with an update uh, for information. So we'll start there for January 8th. And hopefully in this first week, obviously it's again going to be a short week for obvious reasons, because we're going to start on Tuesday and run through. But we may see a few things get released here. If nothing else, the IRS has a bunch of beginning of the year stuff to play with. So we may see that. 
I am posting on uh, the Connect sites for the Arizona Society, New Jersey Society, uh, basically the Illinois Society and Washington. I look at those Connect sites as well as posting things on Idaho's uh, discussion board. So I check some things there. We'll see what's there. Uh, also, I do post updates on my account on Threads. So at Ed Zollers on Threads is a way to follow me there or take a look at what I'm posting. I do that. I do discuss some other things there. So be aware that that's going to be a little bit of different discussion, but uh, discuss computer issues and other tech problems I get into. Uh, so I'll discuss that there too, but that, that's another long discussion. But I do post the updates. So like here on the 1st of January, once I discovered that Vincent was running, I did post information about that there. That's a way to keep up. If you want to keep up right away. Also check our current federal tax website. We have more information there. Otherwise, thank you for being here this week. And we look forward to it. Look forward to a very hopefully uh, enjoyable, shall we say, uh, beginning of the year. Tax season's coming. Hopefully 2024 works out great for you. And we'll see you later and next week for more on current federal tax developments.